Faith, Hope and Love, episode 136, the 20th of January 2019, the second Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year C. Hello, I'm Paul Kelly. Thanks for joining us here for this second Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year C. This is a time of worship, scripture, reflection and prayer, according to the Catholic liturgical calendar. Just a few housekeeping items before we begin. This time of worship is for listeners wherever you are. We're united in spirit, no matter where you're listening. As we proceed in the liturgy, at different times I will give the presider's greeting, and then there'll be a space for you at home to respond with the people's reply. We don't actually feature audibly these replies in the program because it's for everyone listening to join their voices. For example, I will say, the Lord be with you, and then leave a space, and that's when the people are invited to say, and with your spirit. It's the same with other responses. Also, essential to this time of worship are short pauses for silent prayer. These are not accidental gaps, but real times to collect our own thoughts and prayers. We signal this time for pausing for prayer by this tone. In the ordinary Mass this tone doesn't sound, of course, but for this audible program it's a helpful reminder that we're pausing briefly to add our silent prayers. If you need a longer pause at these times, which can be very helpful for prayer, you're welcome to pause the recording for an extended time of reflection at these times when the tone sounds. Also, in the program, we sing the introductory verse and the communion verse and the psalm and the gospel acclamation. These elements are intended to be sung and are part of the liturgy. It's not being about the best singer, so don't worry about that. I'm not claiming to be the best singer. This singing is an act of worship and gives emphasis to the holy words of the text. So please join in, even if you don't feel you sing well, that's not the point of worship. This is Faith, Hope and Love. Love is patient Love is kind Love who will hold love most Never insisting things to be in its way Not resentful shall bow down before you, O God, and shall sing to you, shall sing to your name, O Most High. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins so as to prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. Lord Jesus, you are mighty God and Prince of Peace. Lord, have mercy. You are Son of God and the Son of Mary. Christ, have mercy. 
You are Word made flesh, the splendour of the Father. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good Almighty, ever-living God, who govern all things both in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the pleading of your people and bestow your peace on our times. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God for ever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 62, verses 1 to 5 For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until her vindication shines out like the dawn, and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. The Word of the Lord. 
Proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. O sing a new song to the Lord, sing to the Lord all the earth. O sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell among the nations his glory and his wonders among all the peoples. The Lord is great and worthy of praise. Give the Lord you families of peoples, give the Lord glory and power, give the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the temple, O earth stand in fear of the Lord. Proclaim to the nations God is King, God will judge the peoples in fairness. Proclaim his marvellous deeds to all the nations. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Chapter 12, verses 4 to 11. Brothers and sisters, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. The Word of the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. God has called us through the good news that we may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding about a hundred litres. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, 
though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this he went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers and his disciples, and they remained there a few days. The Gospel of the Lord In this weekend's Gospel, the wedding at Cana, where the wine runs out and threatens massive embarrassment to the bridal parties, the words of Jesus never cease to challenge and intrigue. Our Lord says to his mother, Woman, why turn to me? My hour has not yet come. This seems to be an unusual response, but it matches with something later in the same incident. The steward comments about the miraculous and extravagant good quality of the wine that Jesus' miracle has provided. And he says, people generally serve the best wine first and keep the cheaper sort till the guests have had plenty to drink, but you have kept the best wine until last. Christ's ministry was an extensive one. His mission was all-encompassing. Its final focus would be nothing less than the fulfilment of his mission through something he described as his great and ultimate hour or time when he as the sacrificial lamb of God would offer everything, his very self for the life of the world. Christ's great message is that God leaves the very best for last. And the good news is that at the very last, God will be utterly faithful to us and fulfill all his promises to us. Everything about God and Christ's earthly life and mission and his suffering, death and resurrection is top shelf. No half-baked quality here, but the best of everything for us. At the very outset of his public ministry, Mary, his beloved mother, asks our Lord to help a wedding couple in a socially embarrassing situation at their wedding reception. Christ turns this simple act of kindness into a sign of the kingdom and a sign of the meaning of his ministry, which is to provide the best wine of mercy, compassion, inclusion, charity, and a heartfelt invitation into the banquet feast of the kingdom. He is surely asking this question of his mother in an ironic way. Why turn to me? My hour has not yet come to provide the best wine of the wedding feast of the kingdom of God, where I will be the bridegroom and the people of God will be the bride. That seems to be what he's really implying here. Of course, he immediately helps and uses this incident as a foretaste of what is to come. And what a beautiful foretaste it is. If this is just a sample of the kingdom, then our minds are truly blown and astounded we should be. This is the richness, the graciousness, the absolute non-stingy fullness that God operates out of all the time. This is what we're invited into. This gospel would have to be one of the most delightful and profound of passages. 
It has so many levels and is rich in symbolism. You can tell from the subtle difference between what is said and what is done that the translation of this particular incident is complicated and our traditional translations can't quite capture the full picture of what's really going on here. If we could have seen the faces of Jesus and Mary as they spoke, if we could have observed their body language and the tone of their voice with which we spoke, I think the true meaning might have been even more apparent. To expand on the situation, this is probably a more accurate picture of what was going on. Mary turned to Jesus and said, They've run out of wine. By the way, this situation would have been an intolerable humiliation to this humble village wedding couple and their families. It would have been, at the time, a terrible failure of the strong traditions of hospitality expected in that time and culture. Mary was clearly feeling for the terrible shame that would have occurred for this poor family at a time that they should have been happy and rejoicing. Perhaps they could not afford the sufficient amount of wine required. If we could see Jesus' reaction, it would reveal much. He says to her, Woman, why turn to me? My hour has not come. Or perhaps better still, this can be more effectively rendered as, My lady, is this the time when I will pour forth the new wine of the kingdom of God? Surely this is not that time. He's being ironic and he's speaking as a prophet. Jesus knows that he has come into this world to usher in the fullness of the kingdom of God and to pour forth the new wine of the covenant which will be sealed in his own blood, poured forth to ransom all. He knew that the new wine of the kingdom would only come in its fullness when he had suffered and died and then rose again. I think he would have had a twinkle in his eye as he spoke to Mary and perhaps surely even a tinge of sadness as he noted that this was all ahead of him. It was all yet to come. However, this moment would be a little forerunner and a sign of the true wine of the kingdom, which is about God's utter faithfulness, God's unfathomable love, God's graciousness and mercy, and God's kingdom of joy, justice and inclusion. The Virgin Mary knew he was going to do something about this situation, for Christ was graciousness and compassion personified. Mary trusted in him totally. Mary also surely knew that he was going to do greater things than this in the future, of which this was only an example and a foretaste. It strikes me too that John the Baptist had been preaching the imminent coming of the Messiah. John the Baptist had warned of a time of God's judgment and retribution. This wedding miracle, however, makes it quite clear that the Messiah will come not with a big stick of judgment, but with the graciousness, mercy, generosity and the joy of a time of great jubilee celebration. Jesus the Messiah would characterise the kingdom of God as a messianic banquet feast rather than an apocalyptic time of punishment and judgment and retribution. Perhaps Jesus' reply to Mary remembering that he was still in the very earliest days of his ministry, also indicated, so is this how it's to be? Not fasting, austerity, punishment and severity, but the overflowing generosity and joy of God's time of favour. So be it then. Let us see already unfolding the outpouring of God's overwhelming generosity. 
Let us see and let us taste. Fill those stone jars over there and let us witness which it is to be. For Jesus trusted totally in his heavenly Father and was utterly obedient to his Father's will, as Mary would certainly have known when she asked the question of Jesus and when she instructed the attendants to obey Jesus' instructions to the letter. There is something else too. This is a profound miracle and a beautiful sign. It's a reminder of God's blessing of marriage and the gracious generosity of God's love for us and his joining with us in the joyful and sacred moments of life. Also, what a wonderful sign to show people of God's message. Why did Jesus not reserve such an amazing sign for a more so-called important event, like perhaps a dinner where King Herod was present or where Pontius Pilate was there, so that they could be convinced beyond doubt of Jesus' credentials? But of course... That is not God's ways. That would be human thinking. God deliberately chose a humble family wedding in a small and poor village to show the utter faithfulness of God's glory and graciousness and God's message is for the poor. God's kingdom is found in the everyday and the ordinary and the humble shall inherit the kingdom. It's also for the ordinary people that Jesus came to bring the good news just as much as the high and the mighty many of whom wouldn't listen to him anyway. It also says something really important about the ordinary, everyday events of our home life, our work life and our social life. God's kingdom is to be encountered just as much in the ordinary and everyday events of life as in the occasional and extraordinary events that can occur. This wedding feast miracle brought God right into the home circle and into the ordinary things of life. Jesus' action at Cana of Galilee shows what he really thought of a home. God showed his glory, and that showing of his true glory took place within a home. There's a strange contradiction in the attitude of many people to the place they call home. They would admit at once that there's no more precious place in all the world than one's home. And yet at the same time, they might also admit that in it they claim the right to be far more discourteous, far more boorish, far more selfish, far more impolite than they would dare to be in public. It's not uncommon that people can treat the ones they most love in a way that they would never dare to treat a chance acquaintance. So often it is strangers who see us at our best and those who live with us who can see us at our worst. We ought ever to remember that it was a humble home that Jesus showed forth his glory and poured forth the best wine. To him, home was a place for which nothing but his best was good enough. It was where he put his best foot forward. We've already seen that the Eastern hospitality was always a sacred duty. It would have brought unspeakable embarrassment and shame to that home that day if the wine really had run out. It was to save a humble Galilean family from hurt that Jesus put forth his power for the first time in public. It was in sympathy, in kindness, in understanding for ordinary humble folk that Jesus always acted. The Apostles' Creed I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Jesus responded to the needs of ordinary people at the wedding feast at Cana. Let us place our needs before the Lord. that the Pope, the bishops and all the leaders of the Church may reflect the love of Jesus in their lives to those they serve. Lord, hear us. That all in positions of authority may work for wise and compassionate government, for justice and for peace. Lord, hear us that Christian communities who live in situations of oppression may take heart from our Christian struggle on their behalf. Lord, hear us. That people will be appreciative of the Lord's gifts and use them for the benefit of all. Lord, hear us. For those who are ill and those who care for them, that the Lord will give them healing, strength and peace. Lord, hear us. That those who have died may now share in Christ's eternal glory, especially those for whom we now pray. Lord, hear us. Loving God, we ask you to grant the prayers that we have made through Christ our Lord. Amen. Grant us, O Lord, we pray that we may participate worthily in these mysteries. For whenever the memorial of this sacrifice is celebrated, the work of our redemption is accomplished. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For through his paschal mystery, he accomplished the marvellous deed by which he has freed us from the yoke of sin and death, summoning us to the glory of being now called a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for your own possession, to proclaim everywhere your mighty works, for you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest.
At the Saviour's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. We have come to know and to believe in the love that God has for us. Let us pray. Pour on us, O Lord, the spirit of your love, and in your kindness make those you have nourished by this one heavenly bread one in mind and heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks everyone for joining us for this time of worship and prayer. I pray that this coming week is filled with grace and blessings, particularly in the ordinary everyday moments of our life. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Faith, Hope and Love, a time of Christian worship and reflection, led by Rev. Paul W. Kelly. Texts are used for the purpose of worship and prayer for listeners wherever you are. The Roman Missal, Prayers and Chants, 3rd edition, copyright 2010, the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. The Bible, New Revised Standard Version, copyright 1989 and 2009, National Council of Churches of Christ, USA. The Psalms, copyright 1963, The Grail, Collins Publisher. Prayers of the Faithful, Robert Borg's Together We Pray, 1993, E.J. Dwyer, Australia. Mass for St. Ralph Sherwin, Jeffrey M. Ostrovsky, featuring The Gloria, copyright 2011, www.ccwatershed.org, forward slash Charbonnel. Faith, Hope and Love, Theme, 1 Corinthians 13, 1-13, Original Music, Copyright 1996, Paul W. Kelly. For more details, please visit homilycatholic.blogspot.com.au Production by Kelly Enterprises Resources. May God bless and keep you.